0: Welcome back, everyone, to just another episode of Just Another College Football Podcast. My name is Tyron Brazee, and today we're talking week four. Tons to talk about. OU obviously gets a huge win in Dallas. Bama gets a huge win in College Station. And Miami makes the craziest coaching decision I've ever seen. We will get to all of it. Let's go. Welcome back to just another college football podcast. My name is Tom Brzee, and let's jump right in. We'll start with the main event of the weekend, Texas versus OU, the Red River rivalry, absolute mouthful, in Dallas at the Texas State Fair, one of the greatest rivalries in all of college football. I personally think the best, but that's a debate for another day. Um, But let's jump into the game. This is a game that uh, it really came down to OU played really opportunistic. They made really big plays on defense. Obviously, starting the game with the pick was huge, um, and Texas just made uh, too many sta- uh, mistakes to stay in the game. I think OU did give Texas plenty of chances to get back into it, um, to you know, even close it out towards the end. You know, they they had a real shot to. Uh, um, I think at the end of the game, when you're at third and nine on OU's thirty, I think a lot of people would say put it in Quinn Ewers' hands. He had not He had one incompletion after the second pick um, leading up to that point. So I think that's something that uh, Steve Sarkeesian will think about again um, down the road. You know, you want to put the ball in the best player's hands down the stretch. And I think that's something he probably would have done if he uh, had to do it again. But, you know, I I think this really came down to Oklahoma making plays when they really had to, especially in that last drive. Um, Dylan Gabriel was absolutely fantastic. I think the defensive play calling was a little bit weird from Texas. I think they let um, the OU wide receivers uh, have a lot of buffer between them and the corners and just gave Dylan Gabriel a lot of uh, throwing spaces that they didn't really early in the game. Um, Dylan Gabriel, you know, throwing the ball before that last drive was not overly effective. He, he struggled to complete a lot of the passes and the real game changer was his feet. He had over a hundred yards rushing, did a ton of really good stuff on the ground. So, that was really what it came down to was OU uh, handled both lines of scrimmage. Their defensive line played a lot better than I think a lot of people in, uh, thought they would. And especially their O-line played great. They ran the ball better than um, people maybe anticipated. And uh, OU really just, they made the plays when they had to make the plays. And um, Texas didn't. That's what it came down to. And I think if you're OU, you you got to keep rolling along. You know, you can't let uh, something like last season happen where you're rolling through the first part of the season. Obviously, the Texas loss was the one that kind of made them tumble, but um, in the back half of the season, they really did struggle, and I think that's something that Brent Venables and company are going to be very uh, cognizant of, and uh, I think they're going to approach every week very intentionally, and I I would be surprised if we didn't see Oklahoma in Arlington at the end of the year in the Big 12 Championship just because of their schedule and of the the way that they played against Texas. I think that's something that's going to— continue to happen throughout the year so very impressed by OU I think if you're Texas you just you got to regroup and keep moving I think uh if you win out you're probably in unless uh West Virginia wins out but I don't necessarily think that's going to happen so I think if you're Texas you say keep winning find yourself in Arlington at the end of the year and then maybe you can get revenge then but uh as for I mean OU huge win Texas tons of stuff to figure out but I think this is one that everyone wants to see in Arlington, and I think there's a good chance we could see a rematch there. We'll stay in the state of Texas and we'll go to Bama at A&M. Bama wins a huge one here, twenty six to twenty. And this one I think was a big statement for Alabama. I think a lot of people coming into this game had the impression that A and M had a lot of things going for them. You know, this Bama team is obviously not as great as past teams have been, so it felt like the gap was closer. It felt like especially at quarterback, A&M might have even had the advantage coming into the game, and that's just not how the game turned out. Uh, Jalen Milrow really threw the ball much more confidently than I've seen him throw it um, this year. Uh, down the field, he's been great all year pretty much, but those intermediate throws have been really tough, and he was pretty uh, on point today, or on Saturday, um, when asked to make those throws. So I was really impressed by Jalen Milroe. I think if that's something they can unlock with Jermaine Burton and with the other receivers, um, downfield or intermediate, or just open that passing game more. I think it really changes the complexion of that offense, and it really could turn Alabama from a team that could compete for the SEC to a team that could really compete for a title and possibly win one if Jalen Milroe can keep this type of play up, um, especially against an A&M defense that was really solid and has been solid and will continue to be solid going forward. So a huge win for Alabama. I think this is one that gives them a lot of confidence going forward. They're officially in the driver's seat in the in the West. Um, obviously, LSU is still coming up, but that's a game that um, LSU doesn't look like they, they can stop much anyone right now. So I think if you're Bama, you go into that game thinking, if we can play really solid defense today, um, we have a real shot to win this game. And I think, obviously, the LSU defense is tough to slow down. We'll get into that a little bit later, but... I think this Bama team um, finally has that confidence that they were missing the first couple of weeks, especially in that uh, Texas game. It felt like they just didn't really know who they were. And uh, it feels like they're kind of finding that out. And um, I think that's something that uh, we'll carry over into the next couple of games. And we'll we'll see how Bama kind of builds off this. But I was very impressed by this. And I think coming from the A&M side, you have to be really disappointed. You have to feel like you left something on the table here. I mean... Um, I think when you really talk about A and M right now, it has to all start with this is Jimbo uh Fisher's sixth year. You know, this isn't year three, year four where there's still some things to figure out, there's still some players to get in, there's still um some hires to be made. This is this is where this program is at this point, you know. Um if you're not there at year six, you're not gonna be there necessarily at year eight. Maybe at some point you'll you'll flip the switch, I don't know, but as of right now, it just looks like the Jimbo experience has kind of, um, hasn't worked out necessarily the way that they thought. I think he's still capable of doing big things there, but at, at a certain point, it's too little too late. I think, uh, obviously, you can regroup. You still have a ton of things ahead of you. You hope that Bama stumbles at some point, but if you end this year nine and three for A&M, is that good enough for year six with the SEC getting considerably better next year and getting tougher to compete in. Is 9-3 and three good enough going into his seventh year, um, even with all the talent coming back on both sides of the ball? Is that good enough for A&M f- uh, fans to feel confident? I don't know. But as for this year, I think Alabama has to be feeling great. I think they control the West right now, and I think that LSU game will be the one that decides it for them. But as of right now, Bama's got to f- be feeling great, and A&M's got to be asking a lot of questions we'll move over to one of the other ranked matchups of the week Notre Dame at Louisville and this was one that Notre Dame just ran out of juice Uh, this defense has been asked to do honestly way too much the last two weeks against Ohio State and Duke and I think this was just the game that it all kind of fell apart they couldn't play elite football that many weeks in a row against that many good teams um, without stumbling especially at Louisville coming off a, uh, a week at Duke It's a lot of travel. It's a lot of things happening. It's a lot of really quality teams you have to play that are very well coached, know exactly what they want to do, and execute that very uh, efficiently. So I think um, this was a tough spot for Notre Dame. I think it was always going to be a tough spot, regardless of how Ohio State and Duke went. And I think now it becomes the USC game is that much more important. Obviously, you're probably out of the playoff picture, but still plenty to play for still can get a New year six bowl can still get a lot out of the season if you're Notre Dame so uh you don't have a lot of time to, to think about this one you gotta go regroup the defense has to you know get back on that horse and you know probably play the best defense they've played all year on Saturday if they want a chance to win so I think Notre Dame it's obviously something that they knew was going to be an issue coming into this year but this offense has just it it's got to be better going forward if they're going to stand a chance. The uh, the wide receiver group is just not nearly as talented as they need to be. Jaden Greathouse is a great player, and I think next year and junior and sophomore years are going to be remarkable for him. But they need other people to step up while that happens, while he kind of finds his uh, finds his wings, as it were, um, in the college level. So I think this is just uh, this is the Notre Dame team that a lot of people are going to look back on thinking this is when we had the quarterback, this is when we had the thing in place that we hadn't had for so long, but the talent on the outside cannot be uh, overstated enough. They need people that can create separation, that can um, go one-on-one with corners on the outside and be dominant. And if they can't do that, it's hard for Sam Hartman to fit balls into tight windows all day. So I Notre Dame, that's something they're going to have to figure out, and I think it's not something that they can necessarily figure out this year. I think it's going to take recruiting classes. It's going to take a little bit change of the way they want to do things out there for them to get the high-level wide receiver talent that they're going to need to compete at a really high level. So Notre Dame's got to be a little bit upset about this one. Obviously a tough spot for them, but I think when you really look at this one objectively, Louisville had... A lot of things going in their direction, especially the wide receiver talent. So I think that's really what kind of decided it um, for this one. And I think Louisville, the big um, difference maker outside of wide receivers for them, this defense played better than they've played in pretty much all season. No rusher had over uh, 40 yards. Sam Hartman threw three picks. He rarely throws even one in a game. So I think this is a defense that could make Florida State or UNC, the top teams in the ACC, kind of struggle and uh along with that defense when you have a running back like uh Jahar Johns, uh Jordan I think it changes the complexion of a team especially when you know the uh the quarterback isn't quite as elite uh talent wise as the other guys in the conference so um Jahar Jordan is going to be a huge part of LSU or Louisville's success going forward and I, I like Louisville to kind of at least be in the picture in the ACC I don't know if they Will be in Charlotte at the end of the year, but I like them to at least play spoiler to a couple of teams, at least be in the picture. And as of right now, you can't be playing better football than they are right now. So you got to feel great if you're Louisville. As for Notre Dame, you have no time to grieve about this one. You got USC coming to town. You got to win. You got to score points, probably 40 points to even win the game. So Notre Dame's got to regroup. The offense has got to play better. And tons of questions, but still a ton to play for for the Fighting Irish righty we'll move on over to Columbia, Missouri. LSU at Missouri got a huge win here, forty nine to thirty nine. And this one was about Jaden Daniels. I think Jaden Daniels, as of right this second, is your Heisman trophy winner. I don't think there's a player in the country, maybe Caleb Williams, and I do say maybe. I really do mean maybe when I say that, that gives their team a better chance to win than Jaden Daniels. He uses his legs, he uses his arm, he knows exactly what they need out of him at any point, and he makes pretty much every play that you could ask him to make. So, as of right now, he would get my vote if I had a vote. But uh, I, I'm i wildly impressed by this LSU offense. They're good enough to win a title on pretty much any team that LSU has had in the past couple of years and pretty much any other team in the country. Um, it's just that the LSU defense does not hold up their end of the bargain. Um, they did make a couple of big plays today. Obviously, the pick six to seal the win was huge by Major Burns, but... This LSU defense has to start playing like that week in and week out. I mean, giving up 39 to Missouri is not great, obviously. It's not necessarily a winning formula, but if you can force those two turnovers, if you can get those loose balls um, every game, you're at least giving yourself a shot. You're at least giving the offense a a couple more possessions every game to make some plays with guys like Malik Nabors and Brian Thomas on the outside there's comes a certain point where certain offenses are just impossible to fully stop. So putting the ball in the offense's hands as much as possible is going to be crucial for LSU going forward. The defense is not going to play great. I think we're past the point of the season where the defense was going to turn it on and, and start playing like the LSU defense that we've come used to. But as long as they can give this offense enough chances, force a couple of turnovers a game, and at least be frisky on defense, they'll LSU has a real shot to make a run at an SEC title. Um, Obviously, some things still need to get better on the defensive side of the ball, but it doesn't need to get a ton better with how good this offense is. So I think LSU's path to victory is somewhat like the 2019 path if they're going to be able to pull it off. Obviously, it's a very tall order. Already two losses, so they pretty much have to be perfect the rest of the way. But if you can play opportunistic defense your offense is going to give you points. So um, LSU has a shot to do a really special thing if they can uh, pick up the defense, even marginally, going forward. Um, As for uh, Missouri, I think this is one you just kind of take on the chin and keep moving. Um, Obviously, you want to win this one. This was kind of a measuring stick game for where you were at as a program and as a team. But I think this is one, you know, it was going to be tough to win. LSU has a lot of talent. Um, I think your defense ha- it was going to have a tough time keeping up with all the wide receivers and tight ends and running backs that LSU runs uh, routes with. So it was going to be a tough one to win from the get-go. Um, obviously, Brady Cook throwing two picks did not help. But if you're Missouri, everything's still ahead of you. You play Georgia uh, and later in the year. So if you can knock them off, you're right back in it. Um, obviously, that's a tall task with Georgia playing Great football, it looks like right now, but I think if you're Missouri, you you don't really have time to be upset about it. I think you really have to keep moving and have to just trust that you'll play better defense going forward and at least will give yourself a shot at the SEC title. Alright, let's talk about the craziest thing that happened this past weekend. Georgia Tech at Miami. Georgia Tech wins 23-20. to And I'll put it this way. Georgia Tech had no business winning this game. Um, Not that Georgia Tech did not play good enough football to stick around, that they didn't play good enough football to maybe even win this game on certain days. Saturday should not have been one of those days. Um, I think it's the worst coaching coaching decision I've ever seen. Um, From Mario Cristobal and Shannon Dawson, it doesn't make any sense. It will never make any sense to me. You're under 40 seconds to play Knee the ball, go home, be mad about the performance, or be mad about the stats later. It, it doesn't matter. Win the game and move on. But now Miami's fighting an uphill battle. Um, now they got to play in a very competitive ACC with a loss on their schedule that they should not have. Um, they should be five and zero. But you know, one decision can change the entire um, complexion of a season, and that's what happened with Miami on Saturday. I think when you look at Miami going forward everything's still ahead of them you know there there's nothing off the table for this team the offense is is great i think they're they're capable of doing really incredible things but i think they do have to get out of this mindset that they're going to walk in and just run on teams um not that they're not capable of running with the best teams in the country they are they're one of the best rushing teams in the country but there does come a time when you have to be creative and Miami's not at the point Um, on the lines of scrimmage, at running back at most positions to where they can just show up, run for 200 yards, leave with a 14-point victory, and call it a day. They're going to need to be creative. They're going to need to use the talent they have on the outside, especially against teams like Georgia Tech who, let's be honest, probably can't guard Miami receivers one-on-one straight up. So it just felt like they, at some point, they just thought it was going to break through and they were going to take over this game and it never happened. So I was, I think this is a game, if you're a Miami fan, you got to be pulling your hair out a little bit because it's not a loss you should have. It's not, this game really shouldn't have been close, but Tyler Van Dyke played a really bad game. Um, The O-line wasn't quite as dominant as they should have been. And I think if you're Miami, you got to be feeling like, the chances you had in the ACC, if not, if aren't they, if they aren't dead right now, um, you're in deep trouble to make it happen in the next couple of weeks because this offense looked like they weren't prepared to deal with adversity in my in my eyes. I think they're ve- they're a very capable offense. They're very capable of putting up points, but if you throw a wrench into that work, if you can't run the ball as significantly as you've been able to early in the season, or if Tyler Van Dyke is missing throws like he did on Saturday, what happens? Uh, I think Miami had been rolling right along and hadn't thought about that much, but this game really showed that this team still has a ways to go. I think they're coming a long way, but they obviously still have things that need need to happen before they can make that next step, and I think the big one is Mario Cristobal, you know, making better decisions down the stretch, so a really tough one for Miami, huge one for Georgia Tech, gets them back into the um, bowl eligibility conversation. But, man, I've I just I've never seen anything like that. We'll finish here with some rapid-fire games. We'll start Washington at UCLA. The Pac-12 is just incredible. I think outside of Oregon and Washington, there's no team that you can comfortably say will walk in and beat another team. Obviously, Stanford is not great. Um, there are some teams at the bottom there, but... Most of the Pac-12 is very competitive and very intense, and I think um, UCLA finds themselves in the thick of it because of their defense, um, which is something that I didn't necessarily expect to be saying this year. But with UCLA going into the Big Ten, um, the way I look at it, there's four teams going into the Big Ten uh, next year, uh, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Washington. And the way I look at it, I I think UCLA is almost in a better position going in than USC is going to be next year because of Dante Moore, at quarterback, coming back, and because of this defense. You know, defense travels. Defense gives you a chance to win any game if you can play elite level. So I think this UCLA defense makes them someone to be reckoned with in the new uh, Big Ten. We'll obviously see what happens with that next year, but um, something exciting for UCLA fans going forward is you will have a defense. You know that. So... um, As for this year, uh, the Pac-12 is totally up in the air. It's absolutely awesome. Obviously, Washington, Oregon, and USC still setting the pace, still undefeated out there. But uh, I think this one, is it it could go any number of directions. UCLA is actually still in it, believe it or not. So a ton will still happen. I think this weekend in Seattle between Washington and Oregon will go a long way to figuring that out. But I cannot wait uh, for the rest of this season and I just, I can't wait for more Pac-12 football because it's, it's all been so incredible so far. And we'll get to another Pac-12 football game here. USC escapes with a win at Arizona, 43-41, triple overtime, crazy game. And we'll start there. We got to stop with this overtime rules. Um, I get that we wanted to speed up games, have not have the seven overtime crazy LSU AM games but it doesn't matter it's it's not that big of a deal um I'd rather games take a little bit longer and us get the right winner um get the team that was actually better on the day than uh the team that can just make the play in the moment obviously USC earned this one you know they 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 got a huge win here but it's something that they just they're gonna have to fix going forward I don't know how you fix it or if they're gonna but I really hope they do they they it's it's a real problem right now um and I think if you're USC, I don't know how you really feel very confident going into next week and going forward. This defense is just bad. Um, I don't know why it's still bad. I don't know why Lincoln Riley still sits and you know, lets Alex Grinch call a defense that has hasn't been good since he's been employed by Lincoln Riley. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it's something that could keep Lincoln Riley from winning a title from becoming the coach that he's capable of becoming. Um, but I guess that's something that he'll have to make a decision at the end of the year. But I think it, for another year, it's going to keep him out of um, playoff contention. It's going to keep them out of really doing what they're capable of um, because they just can't stop anyone. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know where you go from. Uh, I think if you're USC, you just keep, trying to win you know you keep uh pushing that problem down the road and hopefully at some point your defense makes a couple of plays in a big game and you can sneak away with a win but as of right now it just doesn't look like something that's going to happen um we'll move from there to Georgia versus Kentucky this was Georgia's game from Sunday last week um this was not a game that I think if you are a Georgia fan or if you're um if you know about the program, there's a game per year, and this started a couple years ago um when they started to kind of ascend to the top. There's a game per year. It feels like where a team comes into Athens, confident like they can knock off the big team, knock off the big dogs at home, you know, silence a good crowd and do the impossible. And then Georgia just stomps them. Um, It's something that it happened last year against Tennessee. It happened against Notre Dame uh, my freshman year. It's something that's going to continue to happen until people realize if Georgia wants to prepare, if Georgia's going to come into that game with their A game, you're not going to stand a shot. And uh, that's what happened on Saturday. Kentucky really had no shot, uh, I think, if Devin Leary wasn't going to have the best game of his career, they had no shot, and he didn't. So that was kind of the end of the day for Kentucky. Um, Kentucky's still a great team. They're still capable of doing great things this year, but there's Georgia and there's everyone else in the SEC East, and that gap is still massive. Um, um, but we'll finish up here with Colorado getting a huge win at Arizona State, uh game-winning field goal with less than a minute left. And Colorado, at this point, they just know how to win. Um, They're not a perfect team by any means. They don't play great defense at all times. You know, their O-line is obviously having a lot of trouble. But um, they come out on top, and that's really all you can ask for, especially when you're a team like Colorado that is not going to be able to compete necessarily with the elite teams um, down in and down out. But they make big plays when they need to, and that all starts with Shadur Sanders, obviously. Um, His ability to play at a high level like he is with the O-line protection that he has is just remarkable. And it's one of the reasons that he's being talked about as a day one draft guy. So I'm wildly impressed with him. I think he's been incredible and he's used every ability that he has thus far through the season. And he's going to need to continue to if Colorado's going to even win eight games this year. But um I think if you're a Colorado fan this year, you might not, you know, go to the, the mountaintop, but there's still, plenty to build out in Boulder and I think uh this year has been wildly impressive uh to starting that kind of train that hype train. Alrighty that'll do it for this installment of Just Another College Football Podcast. My name is tom Brazid. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next time.